BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 2023 and welcome back to the Whiskey Readers podcast. This is the wrap of season two. I guess not the wrap. This is the the debut, the maiden voyage, the kickoff of season two. Uh, John, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. I am well rested. I have been well fed and well drunk, so we are good to go, I think. <laughs> that makes one of us on the well rested front, but it is good to be back. It's good. I mean, I had a great Christmas, New Year's, all that fun stuff. Definitely ate and drank my weight and everything that is good and great. Uh, so it's good to be back. And we have some killer whiskey in front of us. We've got, I want to say, everything from the best and the worst that you might have expected from the end of 2022. We've got a 19-year whiskey, and we have, uh, <laughs> uh, it's a no-age statement from a brand that, you know, is interesting, but not always at the top. But before we get there... Let's go ahead and wrap up. I mean, last we talked, you were going to go to Boston. I was going to eat some prime rib. How are your holidays, man? Very busy, uh, very wild, but also very fun overall. We had just a really good time in general. I mean, we had the big family event here. We cooked, had a killer lamb roast, uh, some great wine, really good overall Christmas Eve time, and then carry that over into pack everything all the way up and head up. Uh, to my folks' place, do it all over again. Had some more fun. Had some more great wine. Uh, cracked into some really great brandy. Um, kind of just like a few days straight of going nuts is what it sort of amounted to. Uh, when you mentioned that you ate and drank your weight and everything, I, I feel like that's <laughs> a really good way to put it. That's about how it went for us as well. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Like, yeah, I tried to have a good time and did have a good time. I am curious, though, what did you think of your Christmas cognac? Oh, and man, it was really cool. The finish on it was just something else. Uh, all in all, I am really glad to have been able to get my hands on it. But do I think it is worth four times the price of the Midwinter Nights Yak? 
uh, private cask selection, the Descendier. Jeez, it's it's actually more of a toss up than I expected it to be. So oh, interesting. I mean, put it this way: I very happily drank my way through a case of the Descendier single cask selection, and I think if I had the just dollars to do one or the other, either have six of these or one of those, it might be the six of those. Okay, that's fair. I mean, uh, for those listening and who didn't know, every now and then John and I uh, buy brandy by the barrel, just like we do whiskey. Uh, always good for the winter months. Totally. Um, I felt a little out of sorts. I drank the Maker's Mark BRT 01 and 02 um, and the new Parker's, which is, I guess, kind of some foreshadowing. I know we got to talk about all three of those things, and we will in future weeks, but I'm... Uh, I was kind of jealous. I was drinking the Maker's Mark in a hotel room, and I was like, damn, I know that John is drinking turn-of-the-century brandy. Um, so Indeed, I was. I was. Hearing how that went. <laughs> it was really good, man. I was super happy with it. I mean, again, when you get to get your hands on something that's not only rare, but like usually fairly expensive as well, it's just a fun time. Got to share it with some family, cracked into that. I mean, it was... Anytime you're sipping stuff that's like 70 years old, you get, you get to feel pretty cool about it. And overall, it was really great. Um, tell me about your prime rib experience. Prime rib was good. I uh, cooked it uh, with my parents in my parents' kitchen. So that's always kind of a trip because, you know, uh, it, you know, in your own house, you have your own pans and knives and you know where the aluminum foil is and you have everything just right. how you like it. It's always an adventure cooking away from home, but... Damn, if I say we did nail that prime rib, it came out awesome. Oh, yeah. Ate it the first night, ate it for breakfast the next day, yes, ate you it did. for lunch the next day. Had a little, uh, threw some prime rib on a roll on the way to the airport the day after that. So I would Ooh. say the prime rib was adequately enjoyed. And not to toot my own horn, but it's one of the better uh, cuts of beef I cooked in the last year. So that's great. I paired that with some wine, had some rose, had some uh, champagne, as one does. Of it course. was a good Christmas. Naturally. I think I also got into, well, I mean, I definitely got into champagne and not a little of it. But uh, <laughs> so we did also make the trek to Boston. We went down for New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's weekend, I guess we should say. Nice. Took the kids. We went in, went on our own uh, mini adventures. I took my son to the Bruins game on New Year's Eve. My wife and daughter went to the Boston Ballet and they saw the Nutcracker. So they get to like have... Oh, cool. A cool girl adventure. We did a dude's trip thing. I left my goddamn wallet in Maine, so I had no ID, which I don't know if you've ever been to a professional sporting event, but if you don't have ID, you do not get any liquor. So <laughs> it was a rather dry day for me. But it, all in all, it was really fun. We had such a good time. Uh, the Bruins couldn't pull out a win for us, but man, did we get to see some awesome stuff. We sat in the second row, so we were really like right up there with the action. Uh, oh, it, it was so pretty cool. fun. Yeah, it was that a good time. That is awesome. It was great. We uh, tried to. So my limited experience with Drizzly being that in Maine, it's basically worth fuck all. Like you more or less shouldn't even bother using Drizzly here because if you're in like one of the three spots where you can actually get a delivery, it's probably not going to get you anything you want unless you're just like looking for a case of beer. So in my limited experience, I've tried to send some really highbrow champagne as a gift before that <laughs> like turned into like a three week debacle of this store saying that they delivered it when they didn't. And luckily, the person I was gifting this to had cameras and they could prove like no one showed up when they said they did. And I went back and forth with them three or four times until ultimately the store just canceled the order. And then I like 
went round and round with Drizzly on their support. And I was like, guys, can we just like refund this and like pretend it never happened? I'm so sick of this. This is supposed to be a gift for this specific day. Like right. for, uh, for like the day before the wedding, this should have been there. And it wasn't. And I was, anyway, it just turned into a whole thing. And uh, that was not my like greatest experience. So I was like, okay, here we are. We're in Boston. There's plenty of liquor stores around. They all support this. Like, let's just hop on Drizzly and get myself, uh, you know, a vintage Moet or something to really celebrate and have a good time. Sure. Of like the selection that was available or it seemed available, the vintage Moet, as soon as you would go to check, I was like, oh, no, 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 now you can't get it. And I was just like, you know what, guys, this is turning into the same damn thing. Like, why do I bother <laughs> with this? So we wound up found it. We found a, a liquor store nearby and like an Uber Eats was able to grab me a bottle of Verve We just called it good. Like we got what we needed. We got a, a half decent bottle of champagne. We had a nice New Year's toast and the kids were all running around. Um, everybody except my youngest fell asleep before midnight. So she stayed up until midnight by herself. That was cool. She had a party. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. it was a wild time. But uh, I guess that leads us right back up into this week where everything kind of turned back around. I, I assume that you're feeling fairly healthy again. What do you say we taste some whiskey tonight? Hell yeah. I mean, this is the Whiskey Readers Podcast. This is all about whiskey here. I was in bed by 1010 on New Year's, so we have nothing to cover on my side. And Perfect. I've got some whiskey poured, so I'm here for it. We have tonight, uh, we are tasting a kind of a new expression. This should be just about everywhere by now, I do expect. This is the new red wine cask finish from Basil Hayden, which is distilled by Jim Beam. So I've I've got a review up on Whiskey Raiders. I know that I sent you a bottle. I'm curious. Let's go on and get into it because I want to know your thoughts. You've uh, got a connection to Basil Hayden in your own way, if I'm not mistaken. I do. I, I have a dog named Basil Hayden, actually. Uh, I really dig the history of the Beam brands and the, just everything in that family line. And I mean, one of the coolest things about talking like having a dog named basil is like a lot of people first they're like oh are you a chef and i'm like no but i would love to be oh, so like so okay. that's cool yeah. i get that like that's a, a good approach to it and then the other side is like i get to instantly talk bourbon a little bit where it's it's like hey guess what you un unknowingly and unwittingly open this door into me now preaching bourbon at you so here we go i'm going to tell you a little bit about it and then before you know it we're talking dogs and hunting and whiskey and it, it, everything's great so yeah, I have got a dog named Basil Hayden. I don't typically drink much Basil Hayden, but hey, I'm here to review anything, right? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about Basil Hayden, this is the first time we've covered it on the show. It is an interesting brand. It's part of the Beam portfolio, so it's made at Jim Beam. They also make things like Bakers and Knob Creek and Bookers. I don't know if I would consider this like business class whiskey, but Basil Hayden is pretty much produced to be the whiskey that nobody will hate. It's always 40% ABV. Business yeah. class whiskey is a great way to put it. Right. Like it's not bad. Um, no. And and it's tough to enunciate that properly, but like it's not meant to be bad and it's not meant to be like, it's not going to rip your head off like Booker's does by design. Like it, it's meant to be a whiskey that anyone can enjoy. Maybe if Extremely you're only approachable, people, right? It's supposed to be approachable. Like no one, should be served Basil Hayden and be like, oh, it's strong or it's aggressive or it's hot. You know, it's it just supposed to be generally well-loved and accepted. And it's priced in that bracket. All the bottles are like $40 to $70 that I can think of, um, at least here in Wisconsin. And the newest release yeah. is finished partially in red wine cast. So it should have a little flair to it, a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think one of the biggest selling points to Basil Hayden is that it comes in what appears to be some premium packaging. 
So it stands out to the buyer who may not be even an enthusiast, but maybe like whiskey curious or bourbon adjacent. And they are interested in getting something. They see the price point of 40-ish bucks, the copper band. Like they see the bottle that looks a little bit highbrow. The price alone tells them, okay, this isn't bottom shelf stuff. Right. And if they are buying for themselves and they take it home, they take that for a sipper, they're going to most likely... I would assume, think, oh, this is smooth. Right. Which every whiskey enthusiast in the world just cringed when I said that. But if you think about that, we as the enthusiasts make up, if we're lucky, 2% of the whiskey buying population. Yeah, on a big day. Right. So, I mean, is this the product made for us? No, realistically speaking, it's not. But I think it does very well at what it's aimed to do, which is, you know, elevate that old granddad portfolio, right? And take it into the next range where you can double the price and sell something for, I mean, with more water. And this is proofed even lower than old granddad or any of the other beam expressions aside from like white label. Right. And then you get to charge more for it. And, you know, get to have a little bit of fun with uh, some of the finishes they've done, I think have been way out there, uh, a little bit too weird, or perhaps a little too finished, depending on how you want to put that. Yeah. But um, so this one immediately to me, before nosing, before tasting, before looking at anybody else's notes on this, has me a little bit scared that this is going to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's an interesting descriptor, but I can see why you might think that. I mean, the classic peanutty beam profile is something that stands out very much to a lot of folks. I tend to love that, really. I mean, some of the Knob Creek single barrels have been my favorite things ever. I really like how they can get into that deep peanut brittle brown sugar type of vibe. But when you go mixing that with a red ca- a red wine cask finish, does that turn into a peanut butter and jelly? And having been burned by um, jelly belly jelly beans as a kid and eaten like the peanut butter and jelly one and almost thrown up, <laughs> I've always been a little bit damaged by that emotionally. So I'm uh, I'm reticent to get involved with something that I think should taste like a peanut butter and jelly when it's not. That's funny. That that seems like a story for another episode. It's oddly specific, I know. Yeah, I I really, when I thought, okay, we're going to drink Basil Hayden tonight, I didn't think we'd talk about the scars of John's childhood, but I'm with you. I wasn't sure what to expect. Basil Hayden, you, you kind of, um, you know, noted it there. They are known sometimes to get a little carried away on the finish, like it's, to uh, kind of a like a suspicious degree, but for what it's worth, whenever I'm in a wedding or a business meeting or I'm on a plane and someone's like, ah, oh, we only have basil Hayden. I've never said no. Like the normal whiskey is fine. Like I, I think these finishes are interesting. So I'm looking forward to your thoughts, but they've done a good job at kind of at least for expensive whiskey. That's not on the bottom shelf. Like it's usually okay. It's not amazing, but it's usually okay. Like it's yeah. just fine. It's like a Woodford or something. So right, I'm with uh, you. let's, Let's let's get on into this guy. Okay. So actually on the nose, I was a little bit surprised here. I do get that classic beam profile. Stands up there. There's like, you know, swirling oak, a, uh, a touch of that like peanutty background. Right. Um, it does have some wine characteristic going on. A little bit of that almost uh, grape skin sort of note to it. But it's not smelling like straight up wine, which is... So far, so good. Like you mentioned earlier, some of these 
Basil Hayden finishes seem like they may or may not have just dumped a bunch of whatever it may be, rum or wine or something else into the bourbon itself and gone a little bit too far with that. And to me, like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I dislike the finished side of whiskey, whereas with a brand like Barrel Craft Spirits, what they're doing in using so many different things as ingredients and working to achieve a goal that's more than the sum of its parts, I feel like in some of these other expressions we see from a number of brands, you get sort of the reverse of that. It is actually just the sum of its parts. It's like we took some of this and we took some of this and now they both kind of taste like each other. And sometimes that works fine, but it doesn't usually. And in this case, at least on the no so far, I'm into it. It's, I mean, very inoffensive, but I don't mean that to like belittle what it is. I just mean it as like, I thought this could be a little bit dicey. So far, it's not. Where nuance hasn't been incorporated in the past, I feel like Beam learned from that with this release. And it is an interesting detail because the bear, like the writing on the bottle would never lead you to believe this. But when you look at the press release, it's only a part of the blend that's finished in red wine casks. And then it's blended with the rest of the bourbon. So I think they are maybe trying to learn from those early days where people are like, wait, is the rum finished rum or is it whiskey finished in rum? Because it tastes like straight rum. And so, you know, I, I think it showed a nice, uh, you know, kind of restraint, at least on the nose. I did get that big peanut note that I do get in beam. I did get some of that nice cherry that I get from the wine. Um, but for me, it really came together on the palate. Like this was one of the more complex basil Hayden's I think I've had yet. Yeah, it's nice, actually. I think... I, I don't think it's my favorite of the Basil Hayden, or of the finish line, I guess it is, actually. Um, I mean, my favorite nice. Basil is just straight up the OG Basil. I like the, the I thought the 10-year rye was pretty decent, actually. Um, nothing that, like, blew me away, but it was, again, like, it's hard to, like, find something to complain about here. I, that one was the $70 one, so that's, like, on the mm, upper right. end of what you would want to spend on something. But, I mean, it was age-dated. It was just kind of, like, low-proof. This is, like, as entry level friendly as you're going to find where there's a good amount of complexity there is effectively zero ethanol flavor to it you hardly even notice that you took a sip of 80 proof right and again that's not i'm not giving negative marks on that that's just straight up like comes across the palate like super easy it is by every definition smooth right and i do now that we're through the holiday season, I wonder how many people took this to holiday parties and those parties mm. just went immediately off the rails when everyone was like, oh, this is great. It doesn't taste like whiskey at all. Like, right. Give me another. And all then another. Sudden, and then everybody's another. waffled. Yeah. Right. And then like the limbo gets out of hand. Uh, like this is really smooth, approachable. And I don't say smooth in a bad way. Like this is a nose to palate to finish. Really transitional, really easy sipping. Um not big and bold and that's fine some days you just want to have a pour and i do like there you get the wine notes a little bit here on the nose you get the kind of the fruitiness on the palate and i know it's a little on the finish but then it just wisps away nice and clean this might be the new bottle if you're trying to get a friend into whiskey who's like hey you know should i what what should i get to just get me into whiskey like this this should turn nobody away yeah i could see that i could even see this being something that you could bring along on a golf trip, even if it was like in a flask or something. And then everybody's having a little try of this every three holes. 
And before you know it, the bottle's gone and everybody forgets what the score is, but you have a hell of a time. Like this could totally be something like that where it's just so easy to get into. I mean, the finish is really short. There's nothing really hanging on there. It, but it like, it does it effortlessly. So it's not like, oh man, it was really good. And then it just kind of like disappeared on me. It's just kind of like it rolls off quickly. Um, this is, I think a, a decent club to have in the bag to continue on my golf analogy here. I like it. Yeah, overall, I mean, this is not my favorite whiskey. I don't think it has any major flaws. It is not the most interesting whiskey you will come across, but it's it's steady, it's reliable. This is something I would take if I, you know, when I go to a gathering and I know it's all going to be whiskey people, like I'm going to pack those barrel sea grasses and like the crazy stuff that's big and flavorful. But right. if you're just trying to show up someplace, it's kind of like bringing that bottle of wine to a dinner. Like, yeah. Like, it's not about what we're going to drink wine-wise or whiskey-wise. It's just about, like, here it is. Try it, and hopefully you like it. And it's more about the experience. And I think this is priced just fine for that. It's a it's a beautiful bottle. Like, the presentation really nailed that. I think it's kind of the whole package for more of a, you know, an introductory whiskey session. Yeah, I'm on board, man. And I think that might be the perfect transition to go to the complete opposite. <laughs> yes, let's let's move into the other lane, shall we? Yeah. So we went from a from a forty percent ABV, no H statement, Basil Hayden distilled by Beam. Our final whiskey of the night is probably the mountaintop for this brand. It is Old Fitzgerald, the bottled and bond decanter series, a nineteen year bourbon distilled in the year of 2003 so fall season bottled in bond you know it's at least four years old here it's clearly older it's 19 years old it's bottled 100 proof i i shudder to think what i was doing in the fall of 2003 when this was distilled because i was 10 years old which is kind of a scary time capsule but like this could not be more opposite from the basil hayden yeah now that we are dating ourselves um i will mention that i was more than likely in the middle of a soccer match in high school when this was distilled. So we've got those things going for us. <laughs> uh, some days I think the uh, whiskey makes me feel older and some days it makes me feel younger. This is, um, honestly, I believe this is the final chapter of the old Fitzgerald decanter series. Um, you can check out John's website, thebourbonfinder.com or whiskeyraiders.com. We have images of these bottles. They are beautiful. They're ornate. They are super cool. They look like the decanters of old. And this guy, they're so awesome. I want to say, was a little bit, it was like $240. We've got a media sample here. Thank you, Heaven Hill, um, because these bottles are tough to find and they are already screaming to the top of auctions and secondary. But this should be nothing like the Basil Hayden. What do you think uh, so far, John? Sorry, you got me right th- right on the middle of my first sip there. Man, it is big. It is oaky. I'm very interested to see what you're going to think of this because I think this is really pretty oak forward. The nose on it is killer. There's a ton going on. It has all of those things that you would expect in the old Fitz line too. It gives you all of those very good like toasty vibes like good buttered toast wheat toast mixing in with sweet oak some like mocha in the background there's just like so many good ways that this pulls you all at once where you could really spend some time with this and just nose this glass for 45 minutes before you even got into it if you chose to yeah this one is i tried it by myself i wrote most of the review it hasn't been published at the time of recording, but by the time you are listening to this podcast, you can go to whiskeyraiders.com and read up on my thoughts. 
and my, the funniest note that I wrote to myself because I I like to taste over a couple nights. I think it's really important. It helps me yeah. kind of isolate my thoughts. It helps me if I have something weird for a meal that's like savory and kind of throws off my palate. It helps me kind of isolate those things. And it just generally gives me the feeling that I have a well-rounded experience with the whiskey. And the very first night note, the only thing I said was should have stopped at 17 years <laughs> because uh, you know me. I don't love oak. This right. is all oak all day long and then into the nighttime. This is a dry, dry, dry whiskey. I was in my mind thinking on my very first sip of this, which took me a few seconds to answer you because I had to do a lot of processing in a little time. I had to really... uh maximize my substrate there to get through that one but in so doing i think i immediately decided that i like the 17 better just on one sip alone which is a little bit crazy for me yeah and and it's weird like this isn't too oaky but i think and this is cool heaven hill took a really big risk by bottling everything from like eight to 19 years old in this series like we have gotten to taste their weeded 100 proof distillate it's so many different ages and for me, the cream of the crop were those 16, 17 years. And this is not bad, but it's a little bit past what I would have liked. This is, yeah, it is an oaky boy. And I feel like it's, it's you know, this is probably a good place for them to stop the series because 20 and 21 years are only going to get it worse. But it's oaky, it's dry, and I think it's starting to kind of lose that luster a little bit. It's still really good, but it is the 17 years is so good. Yeah, I think where the 17 shown was that it had complexity on either side of that proverbial oak fence. It had the fruit from the orchard. It had the, like, you know, the flowers, the blossom, like the, uh, like a little bit of that, uh, good toastiness in the background, the, you know, the, like I mentioned earlier, the butter wheat toast kind of thing that I get on some of these, but it also like was balanced with like chocolate covered cherry mixing with oak and some spice on the back and this i think while it's still good it's it's a step down from that and it's because it's like it's more simple and there's nothing to me that's off-putting flavor wise i don't think this is tannic or bitter or you know anything that i would find as an off-putting flavor but i'm finding that it's lacking where the 17 kind of, I feel like, like you mentioned, I think it was the peak. It had everything going for it. Uh, the only thing that maybe could have been better than that would have been, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, if they had done something like cask strength 17 year. Do you recall anything like that, Jay? As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu 
slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah, I feel like a whiskey like that would have really had potential. It really could have. Correct. To the top of the charts. Yep, right to the top. Anyhow, <laughs> this 19, it is definitely good whiskey. I'm glad that they did it, to be honest with you, because if they hadn't, the question would have been asked entirely too loudly. Right. Where yeah. where's the next one? Where's the twenty? Where's the twenty-three? Like because everybody's gonna look at the Pappy post, they'll be like, You don't have something right next to this that we can directly compare aside from like the old bottlings of Elijah Craig twenty three and stuff like that. Like, come on. Good point. Yeah, and I, I do you know, just because this release isn't hitting as my favorite of the series, it's not to say like some of the younger ones didn't either. But this gives whiskey fans and whiskey enthusiasts and people who are motivated enough to chase all these down, like for the first time, we got to compare so many different ages. And I'm sure that there are people out there who will be like, no, the 19 was amazing. That was my favorite. But for me, it was fun to be like, good, 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 great, great, better, better, amazing, amazing, oop, too far. Like that is just data we don't get in other product portfolios. And for me, it's so insightful and so interesting and just so damn fun to taste through all of these like now i have the last eight releases i think now i want to go i've got like an ounce of each just do this massive blind tasting no that'd be like, fun this is what i think was the best this is what actually was the best like i know i'll be able to pick out the different wood influences but it's just cool that whiskey drinkers had this opportunity and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts now that the series is over because we know that heaven hill is still sitting on tons of amazing whiskey but I can't think of another product line out there like this decanter series. And it's pretty cool in my opinion. I'm 100% with you, man. I think that the decanters themselves are awesome. They're collectible. Even if the whiskey in them sucked, people would still want them for what they look like and how cool they are. Right. Which I mean, right. some brands rely on. Thankfully, Heaven Hill doesn't, but <laughs> okay. they could sell themselves just by their appearance. And to be able to go from, what was the youngest one? Nine? Or did they do an eight? I think it was eight. I'm going to pull it up right now while you're chatting. But I'm pretty sure So it was ranging eight. from eight to 19 years gives us a massive stretch. The first one of these I ever tried was a 13. And I wasn't totally wild about it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. But I was like, I don't know. Like, it almost drinks a little hot for the proof but it doesn't have enough complexity to balance it. And I was just like, but it's still like pretty good whiskey. Like I'm talking like, it's still like a B on my scale. You know, this would be like ranked like a six, maybe a seven on a one to 10. I'm fine with that. Like everything above a five is worth drinking. Um, So it was all cool. And as 
I moved on. I got a bottle of the 15, and I really liked the 15. And then the 16 and 17, I, I thought those were both great. So it's like, okay, these only get better as they age. Let's push this thing. Like, let's see what comes up next. Are we going to get an 18, 19, or 20? And here we are with the 19. And I think you're right. Like, this is a good spot to pump the brakes. And if they go on and they release a 20 or a 21, whatever, I would still happily try that. And I would love to compare that to some of the others. But this would make for a great spot for them to give it the old pause. Yeah, I think that the series ran its course. I think... Um, I respect brands that know when to hit pause just as much as brands like who have unparalleled success. It's kind of like, I don't know, I used to enjoy the series uh, 24 on TV and like it was amazing for the first like five seasons. And I'm then with you. You're like, wait, but there weren't just five seasons of 24. There was like exactly eight and three movies and you're like, that's the point. They should have stopped at five. They had lightning in a bottle. Uh, good on Heaven Hill. Like the series has run its course. I did look the earliest was... Um, in eight years. So you basically okay. got to taste the span of 11 years of aging between eight and 19. And a fun fact, when I did the Google, the first two images that popped up was one from my website and one from your website. So Aha, fist perfect. Bump on that one. <laughs> Look at us go. It's almost like we know things. Oh yeah. SEO brother, like uh, way to show up on Google. That's it's fun. But I was like, wait, this, uh, I was reading about it real quick and I was like, wait, I know this backdrop. And I was like, oh, damn, it's John's website. So kudos on that one. But yeah, 8 Perfect. to 19, what a crazy span. Like there are no other brands I know that give whiskey drinkers this experience. Yeah. I mean, other than something like an annual release from Buffalo Trace, which people are going even more crazy for, you're not going to see things like that. So I think it's cool. Overall, geez, I think... If I had to pick a favorite of the whole lot, it would probably be the 17. But then again, if I'm talking about like, what's my favorite thing from them, like Elijah Craig 18, I think is also good. But like the single barrel aspect of that and how proofed down it is, right. I think that that handicaps itself so much that the Heaven Hill, the 17 year, the heritage was just like, I think proof positive that that is their pinnacle, that their stuff is absolutely as good as it's going to be at that. I mean, until proven otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, I went so far as to say that if you are looking, and this is kind of a tough statement to make, like if you are, if you can't find George T. Stag, like screw it, just go get the Heaven Hill 17-year heritage collection instead. I understand they are just as hard to find as each other. Their secondary values are almost exactly the same. So it's not like a, oh, here's some secret whiskey that's a budget find that's just as good. But like Heaven Hill last year just showed up to play ball with anyone that was established. And for me, that 17 year was just crazy good between, I mean, it was my top whiskey of the year. That's really all I got to say. It was just, it was, it was good. It was great. Yeah. Damn good stuff. Uh, I'm, I finished mine. I'm ready to, to move on here. If you are, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to beat this thing into submission here. Uh, I like it. It's good. It's not the best of the line, but I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, before we wrap up, I do have one thought. Everyone, I usually love to do like a prediction post to like, here's my hot takes for the new year. And that's not really our vibe. But I am curious if you had to weigh in on a brand or if you had the opportunity to say in the new year, I want to see this specific thing kind of come to life in the whiskey industry. And I know I'm catching you blind here because we did not talk about this. Before yeah, this, this is not in the outline. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, 2023, we have all sorts of cool opportunities. The whiskey world has changed quicker than it's ever changed since you and I have started doing content. I'm just curious, is there any whiskey you're looking forward to? Anything you hope to see come across your desk? Like what's what's uh, what's on John's radar for 2023? Okay, so this is absolutely in no way at all a prediction. I don't like to do predictions. I, I like to speculate though, so I will... Sp- Actually, this isn't even speculation. This is like wish list here. I could tell you what I would if I had a uh, a magic wand here that only worked in the bourbon sphere and I had to use it to do what I think would be a great thing. I would use it to bump Eagle Rare from 90 to 101 proof. I just oh. feel like that's the thing that like, I don't, and I don't know why this is a thing for me, but this is the thing that like, it just makes me a little bit wild. Like, why can't we just have it be one on one proof like it was originally made? Like, they changed Eagle Rare 17. Well, Eagle Rare 17 was originally also one on one proof. And then it went down to 90 proof for a while. And then they brought it back up, like, oh, well, this is the original bottling proof. We brought it back here. Like, it's historic. It's good this way. We like it this way. Like, can we just do that with the original Eagle Rare too, please? Like, give the 10 years some love. Okay. I did. I mean, I did not expect that. It is definitely on brand since you and I picked an Eagle Rare single barrel not too long ago and it finally came to market a couple weeks ago. And you're right. Every time I have Eagle Rare, I'm like, oh man, this is great. It's just a little bit thin. And it never really occurred to me to be like, hey, Buffalo Trace, would you just go ahead and fix that for us? Would you? Right. Just a little less water, guys. Like that's, that'd be fine with me. Like my biggest detraction from Buffalo Trace stuff is usually mouthfeel. Okay. Sometimes they are just a little too thin to get into that next realm of score for me. And like that, I mean, it's not just them. That's what holds everything back for me. And that's probably because of, you know, French heritage. I'm used to like rich things. I want to have like everything be like a little bit more luxurious on the palate, right? So I'm leaning into that kind of profile. But I want to have just that little bit heavier mouthfeel or just a little more viscosity on these expressions. And I feel like that changes the sip so much for the better that I want everything to like, if I'm going to score something higher than a B plus it's because texture wise, it's getting better for me. Complexity wise, it's hanging on finish wise. It's elegant. It's nuanced. And there's a lot there. And like what sometimes bites these Buffalo trace things for me is that they just lack that additional viscosity, which sometimes I feel it could be fixed with proof, but I feel like in general, it's just that's their style. It doesn't usually have it. The Eagle Rare that you just mentioned that we selected of the barrels that we tasted through that day, the one that I was the most enamored with was the one that had, in my opinion, like the best mouthfeel overall, had more viscosity. The profile was a little bit less traditional Eagle Rare and a little bit more stag where there was like some more vanilla bean, a little bit more oak. It was just a little bit darker in profile, but the mouthfeel overall to me was just like okay that's just a little bit more chewy and for some reason like that's the one that's really grabbing me by the by the eyeballs here yeah that thing was silky af but yeah i i shared the sentiment i think that's a great call out hopefully i mean we they did bring back the antique collection eagle rare a couple years ago so maybe we'll see the uh the general bottling my personal hope is that um we've seen elijah craig and then elijah craig barrel proof We've seen Larceny and then Larceny Barrel Proof. My hope, and it's just because like I'm such a fan of wheat whiskey, is that this is the year 
the we get Bernheim it's finally barrel coming burn. in. Yeah, okay, I like that. God, I mean, what an underserved market segment. You can basically not get cast strength wheat whiskey unless you go to small independent distillers like uh, Dry Fly out in Washington State, or you pay a big chunk of change, which I'm currently doing left and right because I love it, like via Old Elk, like $100 right. plus bottlings. Like, Bernheim, you rock. We know you have the stocks. Give us that 60 maybe $70 Bernheim age-dated barrel-proof wheat whiskey. Yep. I bet that would just be like fireworks for so many people. Mostly me, because I'm being selfish here. But I'm sure one or two other people would also enjoy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, you're allowed to be selfish on that. That makes sense. That's actually, that's a pretty cool wish list item, really. And it it does sort of follow the cadence that they've been doing from the Heaven Hill brands, too, to roll out the flagship and then the barrel proof. I think, okay, I'm with you on that. I would love to try it. 2023, man. I hope it is the year that Bernheim gets some attention because okay. it's just been criminally, like, I mean, let me give it attention, but let me put a, a little spin on this for you. Bring Let's it, say bring that uh, the magic wand that I was given earlier, I'm no longer <laughs> allowed to use it for my own wish. I have okay. to use this altruistically and I have to grant you one of your wishes. Do you want me to grant you the Bernheim at cask strength? Or do you want me to grant you the mellow corn single barrels at cask strength? Oh, I want Bernheim all day. Okay. Um, oh, well, I know that you've been asking for both for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I really, so personally speaking, I want Mellow Corn because all of my audience over at Our Bourbon for the Single Barrel Program wants a Mellow Corn single barrel, barrel proof. And I know that that would be super cool. But like, it would be uh, low key. I also just don't think the Mellow Corn is that good. And I think that Bernheim seven year, which you can buy any day of the week, same as Mellow Corn is super good yeah for so, like 30 bucks too yeah i mean you're using your wand selflessly i'm still gonna take that selfishly i think bernheim is great way better than mellow corn uh give me the high proof i think it would be incredible yeah between the two i'm buying the bernheim too i just i was curious because i know that those have each been on your uh your checklist for a long time mm, and yeah, good point and you've not been quiet about either so i figured if i had the <laughs> chance i would serve it up to you as okay Hey, this is the one time it's going to happen. Which one is it going to be? I think you yeah, chose I gotta the right say, one. I got to say Bernheim, but you're right. Anytime we're on a call and someone's like, oh, we also have corn whiskey. And I'm like, I lean in closer to the Zoom. Like, tell me. Go more. on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think if 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 either you or I see that thing come to market in 2023, Eagle Rare at Higher Proof, Bernheim at Barrel Proof, like what a great year of whiskey. Oh, yeah. Be. That would be the best thing going, I feel like. I would be extremely excited. I would also be a little bit upset that it would be immediately after we selected an Eagle Rare that was at 90 proof. And right. that I've, I've got many bottles of that. But like at the same time, it's hard to be mad at having a bunch of bottles of delicious whiskey that like I don't have to go try to find an Eagle Rare if I need one now. I just have one that I already like. So there's right. that to, yeah. to contend with. You know with. it's good because yeah. you picked it. <laughs> right. And if it's no good, I've got no one but myself to blame, right? I mean, um, if, if that's not the top of the mountain for whiskey, I don't know what it is. Shit, yeah. So moving on to other things coming this year, we are here in early January, slowly getting to the point where my market is going to have their annual spirits lottery. 
Uh, so the usual order of these is New Hampshire rolls theirs out first. And they went with a different approaches here. They allow, they had a, a pretty massive list, actually. Now, granted, some of the things in their list were things like 50 to $60 bottles that are not incredibly rare, mm. allocated, but not incredibly rare, but being that they're a state-run system. So they're a control state and state-run. So everything is a state store. There's no, like, you know, go build a relationship with a store manager or store owner in your local area and spend enough time and money there to earn yourself a, a bottle held for you out back. There's nothing like that going on here. So this is, they allowed you to choose 20 that you would like to be entered in the list for. And the list I want to say was in the neighborhood of three dozen-ish. Wow. Okay. So you couldn't go punch everything, which I thought was cool. It also yeah. works out great for the enthusiast. It also works out great for the person who's like, I don't want to be entered in for double eagle very rare i'm not going to go spend 2500 bucks on this even if i could like so right. like it allows you to sort of check off like some of the, like the exact things that you would like to be in there for and dodge some of the others but when you're a little bit more of a generalist and, and enthusiast like i am you have to, like there's like a little bit more strategy to it like oh okay i can't just put because if i put every single thing i actually wanted it probably would have been in the neighborhood of 25 or 26 items so anyway, I entered into the New Hampshire one, which is not residents only. Sorry, folks in New Hampshire, if you're listening, because that sucks for you guys. It really should be residents only, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, man, John popping down to New Hampshire for a day. Yeah, I mean, from where I'm at, man, that's like not even an hour drive. So that's no big deal. But that's worth worth it. I mean, that's actually where uh, the last Thomas uh, Handy I got was from the New Hampshire liquor lottery. Like, Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember that guy great prices too like you swing in there and you pick up a thomas h handy for 99 bucks and grab a rare breed bourbon for 36.99 there's no tax no deposit oh. you're you're in and out for under 140 bucks with that i mean it's just it, it basically wow. like you, you feel like you did something wrong when you go shopping in new hampshire yeah like you're gonna get pulled over for robbery when you go right. back in exactly <laughs> yeah wow um, i that does That's remind good. me. I I went to a wedding in New Hampshire years ago, and I was I was just a naive young little Wisconsinite to be, um, and I went into one of those stores because I was like, "That's weird." All of the liquor stores in New Hampshire are called something different than you know, because I was from Connecticut and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, the pricing is just insane there. Yeah, guys, the best there is. Yeah, it cannot be beat. Just it can't. Yep, it is hands down the best there is. I know of people who would go so far as to risk being pulled over by state police for tax evasion by buying multiple cases of wine and champagne for their wedding at such an extremely low price that it's like it's worth the trip there because you will save hundreds of dollars for it. That is, I mean, that is frankly wild, but yeah, um, more power to him. I mean, if, if you're close, good luck. You got that Thomas Handy a couple years ago. I... Um, ours are kind of run differently. Wisconsin is an open market. So like stores get their stuff. Admittedly, um, I spend a little bit at some stores. I spend a lot at others. I really, you know, I kind of understand like I, I buy a lot of whiskey, just whether it's for myself or whether it's for whiskey raiders or all that good stuff. But I don't have any big buddy, buddy relationships with stores because I kind of try and leave that for other people. Um, but I did enter our total wine lottery, which is weird. It's, 
everything going, I want to say it's like April and we'll know by May. Okay. So it will be on like the end of season two before we hear back. But I got an alleged crate or uh, an EH Taylor barrel proof a couple months ago. So I guess I can't really be yeah, that's too dissatisfied. But this and is And if the it was the batch the den there, that I thought that was killer. The uh, last year's bottling of that was great. So that's a, a yeah. good one to win. Yeah, I, I was super thrilled. I opened it up. Um, people were like, you're crazy. That's worth a lot of money. And I was like, no, it's delicious. Um, and yeah. it has been. I've been sharing that all over town. But yes, we'll see if I get any Van Winkle or Antique Collection. You and I, so far, it's hard to cover it when you can't buy it. But exactly, yeah. Yeah, so in the main lottery system here, I've never collected anything higher than the old Rip Van Winkle. So it will be cool mm. to uh, try that out. We typically announce ours in the middle of February or so. And then the actual lottery system kicks off near the end-ish of February. And then as the like the whole lottery process happens and some of the re-rolls that have to go on, it's okay. usually a, about March by the time you actually get the bottles in your sweaty little paws. But <laughs> it's, Which is kind of weird. Like in Maine, a lot of folks don't really pay super close attention to when these things release. They, I think, equate the lottery with, oh, these things just came out. And it's right. like, well, actually, they came out August, like the end of the last summer, but like, it's fine. I mean, we'll just get the bottles when we get them. Uh, I'm also curious to, to like consider the size of the liquor purchasing audience in your area is probably your, like your total wine raffle is probably not that far often size from Maine's entire liquor raffle. So being that ours is, we're not a state-run state, but we are a control state. So the state brings in all of the liquor and mm. prices it all, but it's sold at independent retail shops. So like your mom and pop store in town will be the one that's actually selling it, but they just have to sell it for the price that the state tells them. So like their margin is like pretty shitty, to be honest. Like It's so weird to me. It's yeah. very weird. And it seems so stupid too, because... They have to do what the state tells them. But like at the same time, the store buys all of the product. Right. So all of these things that go onto their shelf, they already own and can do whatever they want with. Right. But the lottery items are in the lottery. So there's a lottery for the consumer side and a lottery for the agency liquor side. So like oh. if you own a store, you can also enter into this. But it's like if a store then wins one bottle... That's like the only bottle they got. The rest is just going to a consumer. It's, it's very weird to me. And it like it sort of feels like, not that I would like at all to like lose the insulation that we have from price gouging because right. that's great. But then again, like selfishly, not using my altruistic wand anymore here. I, <laughs> I personally have built pretty good relationships with uh, liquor stores in my area. And I feel like, geez, it would almost at this point be a benefit to me now, like knowing that only three bottles of this is going to come in, two of them are going to sit on the shelf for an astronomical price and nobody's going to buy them. I'm probably going to have a shot at that third one or could at least re like reasonably think that over the course of a year, I'm going to have a shot at some of these bottles that come up. To me, that sounds a little bit more like a better deal for me. That, that said though, there have been many years where I could, I bought six cases of Stag Junior Batch 12 because I could just go in there and be like, hey, could I buy a case and get one? Yeah. Because 
I was one of the few people buying it. Like there have been Wild. like each Taylor tubes on the shelf for months collecting dust until like one of my friends would be like, Hey man, I, have you ever had this? I want to try one of these. Be like, Oh yeah, sure. I, I'll get you one of those. Like I see them every right. day. So I've had both sides of the coin. It's all kind of a toss up, like the double edged sword of the control state, especially in one where I'm at, where it's so far away from the pulse of many things, is that I get the total protection on pricing. Retailers kind of have to eat that. It's too bad for them. And we also kind of get parked on selection. So, like, I mean, what was it like 18 months ago when we finally got Evan Williams white label? We've talked about this a hundred times, but like, yeah, a hundred and one, if we're being honest. This is just like, this is my life, man. This is what I got. This is what I got to work with. It could be worse. It, uh, you could live in Pennsylvania, but I mean, yeah, exactly. Overall, I mean, I'm fighting a hundred other dummies at Total Wine, and I will, uh, it's, I spend a lot at Total Wine just because I buy a lot of stuff there. And it's clear to me that they um, either whatever you spend is not what they rank or uh, there's a hundred other people spending a hundred times more, whatever. It's fine. I get what I get. I don't get what I get. We'll uh, maybe we'll come back at the end of the season. We'll see if we are both empty handed or if one of us got something, you'll see the review here for sure. But yeah, yeah, it's always interesting to see how these types of lotteries work. Yeah, I'm usually empty-handed in these. And like like I mentioned, it's it's okay. It evens out. We it's not like we're running out of liquor here, but like the idea for guys doing what we're doing, like we want to try everything A so we can try it, but B because sharing it with our collective audience is fun. And so getting right. a, getting the chance to say, "Hey, I got a bottle of this last year and a bottle this year. If you have the chance to pick one or the other, I thought this one was better because of this." I think that's valuable. Like building an educated audience is good for everybody. And like when you have more, like this is why like I'm so interested in building a great community. Like this is why our Discord group is so great. Like anybody listening, if you have or have used Discord, you can come in and join us. And we like we do this, what we're talking about right now, like all the time. Like you can hop in there at any point (laughs) of any day and be like, hey, has anybody tried this bottle? And somebody's going to answer you. Whether that's right. they've tried it and they think that you should buy it or they tried it and think you should dodge it, you're going to get an answer of some type. So like, I'm really interested in that side of this. And I think the more that we are able to grow that, like the better everybody is for it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And a good note to end on too is um, a big thank you to the brands that also help us do that. Like both, um, you know, our old Fitzgerald and the Basil Hayden today were provided by Heaven Hill and Beam specifically, and it gives us an opportunity. You know, they don't tell us we have to say nice things. Clearly, we say what we think because we do that constantly. Um, and it it really does help us to just get to talk about whiskey with people, which is the whole reason we do this pod and the whole reason that you have your site and I have Whiskey Raiders. You know, you're over at Bourbon Finder doing it. Like, this is the true fun of the golden days of whiskey. I, I mean, selfishly, I do wish that we still got to taste the antique collection every year and we'll make it happen. But um, yeah, that, that's that's the real fun of whiskey, in my opinion. Yeah, sharing it, whether you're sharing the actual whiskey itself or saying, hey, I got to try this and this is what I thought of it. There's still value there. And I think that there's so much that everybody can collectively learn. Like, I feel like it's just as valuable to me. Like if I don't get my paws on something and somebody in our community does and they can share their thoughts on it, like to me, that's great. So, Absolutely. 
yeah, I, I think it's cool. We are very lucky, obviously, to be able to try more whiskey than the average grapefruit. But um, other than that, I, I don't know what else to tell you, except for uh, 17 years is a good spot for old fits. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think that's the perfect note to go out. And if you have that 17-year-old old fits, you just hold on to that because that's awesome. But guys, thank you. This has been the clearly the extended director's cut first episode of season two of the whiskey readers podcast if you are looking for more from john you can find him over the bourbon finder both on instagram and on his website thebourbonfinder.com you're looking for more from me i'm take uh, better known as jay at whiskeyraiders.com all day every day we have new reviews and news coverage coming out as well so we uh will have a new episode for you every week we would be honored if you would share this with a whiskey lover in your life If you want to drop us a comment and let us know what you think of the episode, that would be great as well. And if not, we will see you here next week. And we've got a whole fat stack of whiskey for the year. So this is going to be an awesome year. And I I look forward to hopefully sipping some Bernheim barrel proof at some point, maybe. So we will. uh, It. I God, I hope that one works. We will catch you in the next one. Thank you, guys. And cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys.